you do stuff for the radio. Yeah. What do you do for the radio? Programs. But it's for the Sorbian radio in my hometown, Cottbus. You know the Sorbian? It's that Slavian minority living in East Germany. No, you have to explain that to me. It's a Slavian minority. Many people don't know about it. Even people in Berlin sometimes don't know about it. It's about 60,000 people. And it's divided into groups, two ethnic groups, actually, that are related in a way. But if you look historically on it, it's actually two groups with two different languages. And it's the so-called Upper Lusatian region that is in Saxonia, okay. uh, around the city of Bautzen in German. In, in Sorbian, it's Budishin. And uh, that language is closer to Czech language. And the uh, uh, lower Lusatian region that is actually in the north, like in Brandenburg, you know, around Berlin. Yeah. This language is uh, closer to Polish. But some people, especially people from the upper Lusatian region, where the language is still very strong and also in the past, all the, the or most of the political activities and cultural activities happened there. So you can say that their culture is there much stronger today and they looking on, on the other group like as if they were the kids and they always try to tell them what they shall do and uh, they always control like all all the activities and yeah what do you mean by uh, minority it's li it's just literally like another ethnic group that's living in germany yeah it's one of the four official ethnic minorities in germany okay so i'm totally going to like so this is me being ignorant <laughs> no, no. What, I, mean, uh, I had no idea. The, what uh, they speak another language? Yeah, Slavian language. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And uh, like there, it wasn't an immigration that happened. They've always been there. No, no. They've always been between what we call today Poland, because I mean Poland is also a multicultural country, and Germany is also a multicultural country. You cannot say the Polish or the German people. There, it's a construction. There is nothing like that. Yeah. But uh, they used to live always between those two countries, if I may say so. And in former years, they used to settle from uh, Saxonia up to the Baltic Sea, even on the uh, Isle of Rügen. I don't know the English term for it. And it, in former years, it was about 11 uh, tribes from north to south. But today, and in the years of the wandering of, you know, the big yeah, yeah, wandering yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of uh, people, a Völkerwanderung in German, um, yeah, they got, I think they yeah, got squeezed together, yeah. yeah. And today it's like a very small region. And as I said, 60,000 people officially, but uh, not all of them speaking the language. And you do radio for them? Yeah. What do you do for them? I grew well, up... Well, first of all, are you part of this... Uh... Yeah, because it's allowed. Uh, if I'm calling myself a Sorbian... Yeah. Even if I'm not like ethnically but if i just say i am yeah i am a Sorbian, <laughs> because yeah that's just the law my mother is polish okay my father is german and my mother studied uh, german and uh, when she moved to germany she got to know that language she didn't know about it before and it was so interesting to her that she started to learn it and today she's one of the leading how to say people um taking care about the language she's, really yeah yeah yeah. and she learned it by herself and she's leading uh, she's the head of a school not like a public school it's more like a so-called volkshochschule in german where people go for different courses like adults kids whoever yeah it's yeah. like a, it's it's a community school yeah something yeah. like this yeah. 
But this community school in Cottbus, in my hometown, has like a special department separated from the big structure, and she's like the head of, of that department. And they, they are doing cultural courses, language courses on that. It's specialized on that language, on that culture. And I grew up with that. So you speak it fluently? Yeah, I, I, not, I wouldn't say fluently because um, it's always the problem if you don't have a partner to speak, uh, you, you lose your language. Even my, my second mother language, Polish, uh, is getting worse and worse because I simply don't have the possibility to speak with somebody. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for the radio shows, I can prepare. I'm writing the shows all by myself. It's on music, on, on sovereign music. And so, as I said, I can just prepare myself. I have enough time and then I can speak mostly fluently. <laughs> Why did they ask? Oh, first of all, say something to me in this language. In this language, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can even insult me and uh, give this to you know give this to your uh, uh, friends who speak it, and then they can have a nice laugh <laughs> that I don't know what you'll be saying. Maybe I do the. I just want to hear what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah as, I, as I said, Paul, it's for example, I open the shows always with, with the same sentence: "Czeszone a uh, and so weiter. Uh, sorry, and so on. So okay, it yeah. sounds really like. Uh, Slavian, and yeah. as I, I mean, I have the luck that I speak Polish, so of course it's quite easy for me to to get into that language. For German or a, an American, it probably it's probably much harder because you have no connection. Absolutely, Slavian, none. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the same with Russian, so that's why <laughs> why I'm so good with Slavian languages and so bad with uh, Romantic languages because I simply have no connection to the other side I don't speak French my English is not that good uh, your English uh, is fine and English is not a Romantic language technically yeah it's but not. you understand what I mean I, yeah. I just have no connection uh, to the other side yeah, yeah. yeah. what you mean like West like yeah, yeah West, West yeah. like your language <laughs> skills only go East from German. I, I would say, yeah, I mean, not from German, but from Polish, because I grew up bilingual. Uh, my mother yeah. was uh, always speaking uh, Polish with me and my brother and my sister. So it's like half of me is Polish. So uh, I always have a, uh, a key to, to the Slavian languages. So what kind of what kind of show is this that you do? Yes, how did I've, you get this? What, what, how did you start doing this uh, show? Yeah, because as I said, I grew up in, in that area and I was uh, part of this culture since I was a kid. I started to sing with my brother and my sister in the Sorbian language and I already had recordings when I was very young in the radio. So I always had also a connection to the radio. They have like their own radio show. Maybe I have to explain this. It's part of the public radio, but each day, uh, every day, one hour, they can make like their own program in Sorbian language. Okay. Yeah. They only get an hour a day. Yeah, I mean, it's a minority. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah <laughs> and, but anyway, I mean, it's, I think it's great that uh, the native speakers have the possibility to uh, listen to a to radio show in their language every day. Uh, it's nice, and it's always in lunchtime, so yeah. And then I, I was singing in the Sorbian Children's Choir for many, many years. So I always had a very close uh, connection to, to that culture, like was part of it, joining it. And so I always had a close connection to the radio because we did a lot of recordings there with the choir. And at some point I started uh, to produce pop music, Sorbian pop music, for young people, for the radio. And so a few years later, it developed that I became like a, 
speaker in the in the radio show and uh, mostly the programs are about 30 minutes and it's mostly on themes related to Sorbian music a composer or I don't know a few months ago I did a show about um, Sorbian operas or yeah anything that is related to that I didn't so I didn't know you also did your own uh, radio show and is this I wouldn't nice... say like my own radio show although it's a cycle that I'm doing on myself, but I'm part of the the Sorbian radio, so yeah. How do you view yourself? Okay, so you're you're living in Germany. That's this is German is your mother tongue. Well, you grew up bilingual, but Germany is one of your mother tongues. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're associated with a minority strongly, one that not a lot of people know about. But you're also technically not like that minority by blood. Yeah, but. Cultural. Yeah, but culturally, and also you have this weird connection with the language because kind of, it's because it's related, you said it was related to Polish, and then you also kind of speak, mm -hmm. like you have a connection with that language intuitively. So how do you view yourself ethnically? I don't know if it's a horrible <laughs> question. No, no, no. Maybe some would find it strange in Germany, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> like this is the wrong context. So I But mean, I'm the I right mean, person to okay, ask. Okay, so, so I mean that in the least racist way possible. <laughs> like, and just out of, just out of curiosity, because I didn't, I didn't know you came from a background like that, which is yeah. interesting. So how do you view yourself? Yeah, I'm everything of that. And I guess it depends who or which part of my personality you ask who I am. Because if you would ask the composer, I would, of course, say I'm German and maybe Sorbian, but not Polish, because I don't feel like I have an aesthetical yeah. connection to, to like Polish contemporary music. But you feel like you have an aesthetic connection to German contemporary music. I mean, probably you will ask me in a moment what this is. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I would say this uh, and... And I feel also like a sobbing composer because uh, some of my pieces are dealing with topics coming out of the culture or of their life today because there are a lot of problems. Uh, for example, the biggest problem is that in the region where those minority, with this minority is living or those people are living, they're uh, grabbing coal out. Uh, yeah, the coal yeah, miners. Yeah, yeah, the coal mining. And uh, for now already... Yeah, it must be about at least 150, maybe it's already 200 years, the villages get destroyed. And because it's a minority, and sometimes you find like... How did their villages get destroyed? Through coal because mining? they destroy the villages and the coal is under the villages. Oh, yeah. I see. So yeah. they're digging out the ground yeah. from underneath. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They, uh, maybe you've seen that uh, on, on pictures. It's really yeah, like I've seen, huge, I, I, huge, I, huge, huge... Yeah, yeah. I've seen incidents of that yeah. happening. That yeah. happens a lot with coal mining mm. or... It's really enormous, and everything gets destroyed, the whole nature, and uh, I mean, yeah, it's hard to imagine, but it's really a, a big area, a huge area that that's, uh, just disappears. Yeah. <laughs> and because of this, also the villages disappears. And uh, if you now uh, imagine that in, in the 19th century, there was like a lively culture, sobbing culture with mother speaker, mother tongue speakers, yeah, yeah, yeah it just disappeared. And the culture is disappearing because the language is disappearing. And actually, the, the, the language is the biggest problem today, what concerns this minority, but more in, in the upper Lusatian region, because in the, uh, sorry, in the lower Lusatian region, where I come from, because in the upper Lusatian region, what is Saxonia, they don't have 
that problems that much because they don't have the coal. And also, if you look historically on it, the Saxonian kings used to, how to say, treat them better. So as you said, as a composer, you feel more German yeah. aesthetically. So what other part of you doesn't feel that way? If you would ask like the ordinary person in me that has like political thoughts, political ideas, I would say that, that I'm in between because I always was <laughs> like this, especially what concerns uh, Polish, because like Sorbian culture happened in Germany, but like the Polish part of me was the stranger <laughs> because Poland is outside of Germany. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you, you know, the um, many historical uh, problems, uh, especially between uh, Germany and uh, Poland. And yeah, in my childhood, it, I mean, in the GDR, like in the so-called Soviet mm -hmm. times, uh, it was different because it was like the official politics that everybody has to be friends, especially with uh, Eastern Europe. But in the years of the political turn, it was really sometimes strange uh, because in my region, we had a lot of problems with the Nazis, yeah, with the fascists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I started at that time to think about me as a number of person, yeah, like being a German, a Polish and uh, Sorbian. Before it was just me. I never thought about that, that uh, yeah. It's more than one person. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, after that, when you get to know more about historical facts and talk to people and developing your own ideas about, about the world, whatever, you see that uh, sometimes you, you can't put that together. And uh, sometimes I feel like I'm looking as a German on something. Yeah. And sometimes I, I feel and understand Oh, now I'm probably Polish looking on this and that. And for example, you know the, uh, that some Germans used to say that oh, uh, Polish people are stealing and stuff like that. So in, for example, in moments like this, you I've always... I've never heard anybody say that. I've heard them say that about Turkish people because they're, I think... The here in Berlin. Yeah, yeah here in but Berlin. Imagine in my hometown. Okay, yeah. they say that po Polish people steal. Yeah, because we haven't had no Turkish uh, people before. In, so you're uh, the... <laughs> So you're the minority. You're you're the you're the closest thing to a minority. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And you can imagine easily that you feel strange if you hear uh, something like this, if somebody says like generally something bad about uh, a nation you, yeah, you're part of. I guess maybe you have to be really aware of that Turkish people you could find ten, fifteen, twenty years ago only in West Berlin, and around it it was East Germany, and there were no. I've never seen Turkish people before. So Turkish people are new to you. Well, not new to you, but you've been here for 10 years, but... Yeah, but I I'm, I'm met them in Berlin, not, yeah. not outside of Berlin, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm kind of fascinated with how you see yourself now, but uh, <laughs> do you think you'll ever come to an answer? Is it, do you think it's always going to be, now I feel a little bit like this, now I feel a little bit like this, you know, someone, you know something, someone says something bad about a certain part of your history and then you sympathize with that part? Do you think there's any way you can get an answer, like a clear answer that will apply to all situations? Yeah, maybe if I say that I'm a European. Okay, yeah. And I'm, I'm not joking about that. Uh, I guess that's uh, quite a, a good uh, answer. Asmus said the same thing when I interviewed him. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, I but I mean, a European. he has a different background because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's German. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, but I think that uh, our generation uh, would probably quite often answer something like uh, this because uh, it's also generally about languages. I mean, in Europe, every person of our generation is uh, speaking at least, I think, three or four languages. That's no. like standard. I think it's. I think two is the standard. No, three. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, three is really actually. I always meet people who speak four languages, at least. No, I mean, speak not doesn't mean fluently. You, like know, you know how depressing that is for an American to hear that? Yeah. we suck. It took me forever to learn German. And even for some of the Klangnutz meetings, when things mm. get, like, really technical, mm. and also, like, it's two native speakers going really fast back and forth, mm. it's overwhelming for me. Okay, so let's get back to your music you're saying if you asked me as a composer i would feel german it'd be more of a german aesthetic what do you mean by that because whenever i try and have people point to german aesthetics they get very they're like there is none it's very open culture and there's a truth to that but mm -hmm. since you were just like i consider myself german aesthetically yeah maybe i'm the that, right person does, to ask yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what does that what does that mean I mean, first of all, it simply means that uh, I grow up with German music and maybe I'm the best person to ask uh, about that because I see a difference between Polish music and German music and Soviet music. Of course, there are some historical connections because in the 19th century, like it was quite the same aesthetic, the so-called romantic music. Yeah, it was also the moment where like a national Polish music uh, appeared and national Serbian music appeared. But if I go on uh, until today and I look and I have like an, an overview on it, on a historical overview, I see differences. It, Polish contemporary music is different from German contemporary music. And Serbian contemporary music, if there is something like that, it's also different. I also uh, orientate myself on what other people say about German music. For example, that German music has to do a lot with thinking, with, with philosophic ideas and so on. I think that's true. I think it's uh, hard for, for uh, German uh, composers to allow themselves thoughts about, I don't know, emotions, feelings or something like that. And the most important answer on, on that question for me personally is that with my background looking on, on the history, I want to write that kind of new music. That, Philosophical Yeah, yeah, that appeared yeah. after the Second World War because I s identify myself with that thought. With, like, we have to have that cut from, from history because... You believe that? You still believe? Yeah, you still I, believe that? a, a, that's my idea of, of my new music. I feel like, like I'm absolutely in that tradition. Maybe not... Aesthetically, in every point, because I mean, I'm a living person. I'm developing. I, I have my own impressions on life and so yeah, on. But yeah, exactly, yeah, I yeah. would put myself in that tradition. Absolutely. But yeah. but at no point do you feel like there's a conflict between that idea and you as a person growing up decades and decades and you know, seventy years after an event that caused it. I mean, it's not a question if there has to be a cut or if there had to be a cut, and I I think there had to be a cut. And uh, I, I can very well understand how the artists generally, not only uh, musicians, uh, felt uh, after the Second World War. I mean, <laughs> it's connected to, to many other topics that we maybe can uh, discuss or not. But to answer um, in a few words, 
I would say that I identify myself uh, with that, that I feel or see myself in, in that tradition and that it's also today I would say about myself that I'm a political composer. Maybe that's why I identify myself with that. And anti-fascism in, in music is very important for me, in art generally. And maybe that's because I feel myself or see myself in, in that tradition. So how is your music political? <laughs> because I went to your yeah. concert the other day and it's yeah. not... Because I think a lot of people, when they think of political music, they think of a very concrete statement about, like maybe an opera about something topical mm -hmm. that happened recently. Something very clear, them speaking about specific points. Yeah. Or something like Lachman, like uh, Little Match Girl, mm -hmm. opera like that. That those are those are obviously political statements. But the concert I went to of your music had nothing of that kind of concrete political statement. So how how does the politicalness, if that's a word, <laughs> affect your music? Mm -hmm. As I said, uh, I, I guess the fundament is to see yourself in that uh, tradition and maybe think about the same ideas the composers had. Why I'm not writing in, in, a, in a historical style? Why do I make a cut and say I'm not able to, to write in the, this or that aesthetic? Because, as I already said, uh, in the Polish music is different. And the strange thing is that Polish contemporary music is much more traditional than, than German. And uh, the more you go to the East, the more you see that. I mean, in, in Belarus, they know everything very well. They know all the aesthetic ideas uh, of uh, contemporary music in Europe, in America, whatever. They have written pieces in that style, but they're not using it. So uh, the fundament is just to say, I don't wrote, want to write historical music. I think it's necessary to write new music. Contemporary music is not such a good term. It's, it's necessary to write new music to uh, reflect the contemporary life, to be able to talk about feelings, what for me is very important, with new words. Maybe it's better to translate this to literature. I'm not able to talk about important things, big things, with old words. I need new words and I want to create maybe those words myself. That's one point. Um, of course, some of my pieces are um, more directly what concerns political ideas. I was talking about uh, pieces uh, that related to uh, Soviet culture. I wrote uh, two or three pieces about that coal mining, the, of the disappearing of the culture, because this is something that makes me really, really angry and makes me think a lot. And I mean, of course, I'm not a politician, I'm a musician, so my yeah. <laughs> anger... That's your outlet. Yeah. What's the end goal for a political piece like that? Do, do you know what I mean? Like, what are you trying to communicate to an audience when you're writing a uh, piece like this? Is it a clear message? That they, are, are they supposed to walk away saying to themselves, the coal mining in this area is bad because it's destroying this village? Are they supposed to become more aware that there's even a problem in the first place because maybe they didn't read about it in the newspaper? Like what function, mm -hmm. social function, do you see music that's political in that way? I have no ideology. Also, I would call myself like left political left yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and although i'm sure you don't sympathize with the guy that 
what, what's it called? That acid all over the in the courtyard. Ah, uh, here downstairs. Yeah, like, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. Of yeah. course, uh, I'm against violence. Okay, I'm a yeah. musician, uh, and also I used to go to demonstrations uh, on different topics. I'm against violence. You were you were a big uh, demonstrator. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe more when, um, maybe bigger when I was younger, but still I go 1st of May to demonstrations. You, always, you, you do the 1st of May thing? Yeah. That thing scares <laughs> the shit out of me. <laughs> Why? Because, <laughs> be, because the police here in Berlin... Oh, no, no, not that kind of 1st of May. Not like here in Kreuzberg, the late night. The, oh, I'm, okay. I'm going to the syndicate. Gewerkschaft? Yeah, yeah, syndicate. Yeah. Yeah, syndicate yeah. demonstration yeah. in the morning. And that one's safer. Yeah, it's like a, it's a syndicate demonstrated. It's all the people and focused on the on the topic. What's the day is about? Like day of the worker. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought it was all chaos. No, no, no. That came later. That came in the sixties and the seventies here, and especially here in Berlin and Kreuzberg. Of course, that's also a topic that I'm related to. Of course, because those years changed a lot in in, in Germany and Europe and. Also today, conservative uh, politicians try to convince uh, the people that it was all bad. It was actually the best that could happen to the country, even or although we had that violence with the uh, RAF yeah. terrorists and so on. I don't say that this was good, but actually 20 years after the Second World War, the society opened and started to think what actually happened yeah what have we done and uh, so if i'm looking on this on the one hand and on the other hand see the terrorists of course i don't say that terrorism is good but i say this is the the good things uh, help the society to change so i'm convinced that finally it was good that there was a change in the in the society not that terrorism happened and this is all related to your question uh, before that I uh, did not answer um, to the end. Whom can I reach or what is possible to reach with, with work? And I think it's what you said, that the only thing I can do, or I don't want to write ideological music. That's not my idea about music. That's my idea about political music. I think the best or maybe the only thing I personally can do is to point out things where I think it's interesting or maybe it's interesting for the audience, for the people to have a closer look on a topic, on a problem, whatever. And a piece I maybe write about a, a certain, I don't know, topic or political idea or whatever, is just my thoughts about it. It's not like uh, ideology. I don't say that's the end. It's all I want to say about it. It's just in that moment what I was thinking about it, what I was feeling about it, what is very important for me and what is, of course, different to the new music after the Second World War, where the composers, some were very drastic and they said that even emotions are... But I, I can understand why. why okay, now, thought so, yeah. that's, I mean, that, maybe that's what, mm. that, what's, what makes me a little bit, I don't know, not uneasy, but like about how you connect to it. Like, I can understand why, too. Mm. But I'm not sure that necessarily means it's what I should be doing. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about m me personally. I'm no, not no, saying or, that. or like, I don't know why it would give somebody else the... Okay, so you can sympathize with why a certain generation felt a certain way and went in a certain aesthetic direction after an event. But there's a difference between the way they felt because of the, the event and the way you feel from the event 
because it's separated by time and more perspective. I feel like it's okay to, and you is another point is that you were like, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with like historical music, but in a certain sense, you give anything enough time between mm-hmm. an event that caused it and an aesthetic style that came out of it, that aesthetic style will eventually become historical. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, and maybe I have to uh, try to clear up what I'm talking about because, of course, I'm in a way dealing with, with historical music because I'm working a lot with connotations. Yeah, yeah. I, like that way, I like that way of phrasing it better. Yeah. You're dealing with it. Yeah. 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 And, of course, I'm thinking about a lot about historical music of any time. Yeah. But what I wanted to say is why, from, from an aesthetical point of view, I'm not able to write romantic piano sonata or whatever. I mean, like a closed uh, work in that style. It doesn't mean that maybe in some part of my music uh, a connotation appears or something. I'm just talking because maybe that's uh, because, as I said, if I'm going to Eastern Europe, I see young composers writing like in that style, closed music, like convinced of that, that this is the, like the, the answer to everything and that uh, if they write baroque or romantic or whatever, that this is how music has to be. And I, in, in that situation, I wonder what's wrong with them. Why don't they look further? What was going on after? And as I said, of course, mostly they are very well informed, but they decided not to write in that style. They decided to write in historical style. And it's, it's as if I would write a poem in, in the style of, I don't know, whomever, Goethe or something. Of course I can do so, but everybody who would read it would immediately feel like he's reading something in a style of. Yeah. 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 And that is what makes me think that I would, like from the very beginning, from very first note or whatever, that the, the audience or a person who's listening to my music is maybe thinking, oh, what's that? It doesn't mean that I'm trying to be like totally revolutionary or totally new or whatever. Yeah, maybe let's, let's say it like this, that uh, I, I would like to think them, what's that? I want to hear what, what he's talking about, what, what he's writing about. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if I get them to this point, then they maybe have a closer look to the title. I don't like uh, texts about my my music because I think it's stupid if you have to explain uh, it's better to really get the people with the title or with, maybe with the feelings that comes out of, of the music and makes them think about something yeah have you ever written a political piece that had a certain angle and then later on you disagreed with it no really yeah so you've never put something out there saying that okay this coal this coal mining is happening and it's wrong and then um, this is a terrible example but you know mm. like something else happened after that where you learned more about the event and then you disagree with your previous political statement no because as i said i'm not ideological and this means that i never pretend that i finished my thinking about something oh uh, i yeah. see what you mean okay yeah, yeah. it's oh, just yeah, yeah. I, I peace is what I thought about anything up to the moment I give it to the audience. And I always know about myself as a composer, as an as a individual, as a, as a human being, that I can't know everything and I will never know everything. So but it's I never pretend to... to that, that's also general about my music. I'm not, my music is not about any aesthetical ideology. Every piece is new to me. 
every piece uh, is like totally newly thought and yeah so that's why i guess i can say that i mean of course some older pieces i don't like <laughs> that much today as uh, others from aesthetic point of view because i would say oh today i know better how to handle a clarinet or something yeah, exactly but, but that doesn't yeah. mean yeah. that doesn't really necessarily have to be the potential political message of it it could be that yeah the clarinet was too high mm -hmm. in the range and sounded squeaky. Yeah. You know? like that's got nothing to do with the political yeah. message. But there are ways to. I'm sorry to keep pushing you on this, but like, no, there are also there are also like I look back at certain like, and I never wrote an explicitly political piece like the piece you were describing. Mm -hmm. But I did have political opinions at the time where if I were to write a piece. At the time I was having that opinion, I would look back at it now and think that it was a naive political thought. Mm -hmm. It's almost strange to me that somebody couldn't think that about their own thoughts when they were younger, that they were simplified, too reduced, and not related to the world, your perception of the world that you have now. Yeah, but maybe it has to do with, with the fact that I became a composer quite late, even when I was already studying the first Three years, first four years, I wasn't convinced if I'm a composer. Every day, actually, I was thinking I'm not a composer. I'm in the wrong place here at university. And uh, When did you start studying? When, in, when did you start? I started studying in 1999. And uh, in 2003, I had the examination, the so-called Zwischenprüfung, like And midterm, I'm trying to come up with the English word, okay. Mid, like a midterm test or mid -term something. Midterm test, yeah. okay. And... Up to that point, actually, I did the test and I was convinced I'm in the wrong place. I, for one year before uh, the test, I wasn't composing because I didn't know what, what to compose. I simply got totally lost in, in what I'm doing. And then I went uh, to Prague after the test to study there for one year with Marek Koppelend. And I guess because of the distance to Germany, to Berlin and other ideas uh, of my professor, I started to think about myself from a new point. I, I really, it was like uh, rebooting myself. After that year, I knew that uh, I, want, I am a composer, that I want to be, that I am a composer. Actually, it happened already in, in the time in Prague that at some point I knew, oh, yeah, I am a composer. And I... From that point, I knew what I want to write. I knew what I want to say. And at, I was already 25. So you started composing pretty late then. Would you start composing 22 then? Something like that? No, I started. It depends what we mean if we say that. I mean, I started to compose very late compared to others. I was already 16 or 17. But... Well, no, it's not so late compared to no, others. Uh, I mean, compared to Mozart, but compared to like, <laughs> you know, yeah. com compared to me, I started when I was fifteen. Yeah, so yeah, but I had total no background. I mean, it, I, I started uh, at all with contemporary music in, at that point. So I, I had a little classical background because I played instruments. I, as I said, I was singing, but I wasn't aware of something like new music, contemporary music. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, and. All the things that happened from that point to Prague, yeah, it was just thinking. And no piece from that time uh, is like, how to say, I don't count them. It was, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. not because I think I'm so genius after that, but uh, I, I understood in Prague that 
I wasn't a composer. I was searching. I was trying. I was trying to find uh, who I am or who I want to be. But to answer your question, from that point, every piece counts. Okay, so you're already old enough at that point that you're not writing. Uh, yeah, a, I guess yeah, that's the yeah. thing, that I was old enough. And, of course, now I'm almost 10 years older. But I would say that also what concerns political ideas, at that point I was clear about what I think is important and uh, yeah, what I think people should have a look on or whatever. And as I said already a few times, I'm not trying to um, send an ideology to, to the people, like a concrete idea. I don't try to tell them, look on this like that. I'm just pointing out. It's more like have a look and make your own, have your own thought about it, your own feelings, whatever. And maybe that's why I can say that uh, I don't have the feeling about any of those. I mean, not all pieces are political, but about the political pieces, that I don't have the feeling about any one of them that I'm different or I don't feel like this anymore. I don't think like this anymore. Yeah, yeah. because you're just pointing out an event. And yeah. how could you be wrong about an event that happened if yeah. all you're doing is saying that it happened? Yeah. Okay, I want to go to Prague now. Like what happened in Prague in that major head shift and be like okay so i am this is what i want to do mm -hmm. this is kind of what i am at this point and this is how i want to do it what caused that shift and what exactly is it then i mean it's it's almost impossible to formulate no no i, that I, in, I guess that I in, and towards and yeah. it's kind of an impossible task but i ask a lot of people to do it so just do yeah, your best yeah. <laughs> to explain it's re related to all those things that we uh, already discussed about as I try to explain, I have a kind of musical background. Uh, I had that Solvent folk music. I was playing different instruments. I was singing a lot, a lot, a lot in the choir and later jazz for many years. But I never felt like a singer or instrumentalist or whatever. Wait, you sang in jazz? You sang in yeah, jazz? Yeah, yeah. You were a jazz singer? Yeah. I wear, I, as I said, I never felt like and I never, well, I, I mean, I went to the lessons. I never liked to uh, be on the stage okay. with no instrument and not with singing, whatever. And with 16, around 16, I started uh, to compose. And so I, when I came to university uh, with 21, I had a lot of input from many uh, different sites. Then uh, I started at the university and suddenly I felt as if, Nothing of this <laughs> is, is worth anything because I didn't know anything or almost anything about what they were talking about at university. Contemporary yeah. music, new yeah. music, baroque, whatever. I, I never went to lessons uh, about, about that. I had no real, like, theoretic education yeah, about um, baroque style or whatever. And so I was really overwhelmed by all those new information. So I was, really, I was really feeling as if I'm nothing, that I have to forget everything I've ever heard, ever learned about music, and that I really have to uh, start from the very beginning. And this brought me also in a conflict as a composer because I came from one side and something was developing and I, I already had written a few pieces, but suddenly I had the impression that all I'm doing is wrong and that I have to do something different. So I got lost, simply lost. And somehow I managed to do that uh, mid-time test, yeah? yeah? Yeah, and so I made the test and it felt like the end of everything. <laughs> because you failed it. No, no, I didn't fail. I passed it, of course. I mean, 
they, it's almost impossible to fail the test because if the pro I mean, that's a good thing in Germany that uh, the system of education in composition uh, the composing department is different totally from from especially Eastern Europe where it's really like in a school every term they they have to do like a test uh, they have to write a fuga in a Bach style they have to write a string quartet in in Mozart style and I mean not like a few measures but really a piece i did do stuff like that yeah, yeah but it was it was not like a piece but it was a few measures you yeah, know and in eastern europe it's really really very old school and they're very well educated and in germany uh composition means of course we have all those lessons as well but it's a lot of freedom and you you can go to the less uh, lessons or not it depends on you and also in the composition uh, lessons they don't really try to push you some my professors i'm talking about my professors yeah. they don't try to push you somewhere they give you the time to do your thing and show what you made what you what you want uh, to show and i simply couldn't handle this I, i because i wasn't used to be taught like this i i was used to go to school have lessons on on concrete topics and so because all of this i got totally lost And uh, before the, the test, I already managed my, uh, my uh, stay in Prague. And so I went to Prague as a nobody, not knowing <laughs> what will be uh, after that year. And for the first weeks, I was more like living there. I know the city. I knew it before because uh, as a kid, I was there every once a year. And so I joined concerts, went to museums, whatever, and probably because of the new new input and especially because of my uh, professor there who was not like expecting to talk to a finished personality just yeah there comes a student let's meet let's talk and i guess in that atmosphere it was possible for me to uh, rethink myself and i do, at the end i don't know why but somehow it happened that i became a composer in prague <laughs> <laughs> so now that you're out of any type of educational institution and you've gotten that structure that you got in Prague, how do you organize your life? How do you prevent yourself from falling back to the idea of am I a composer? Uh, I don't have to protect myself. You think so? You yeah. think that, yeah. I just yeah. feel that I'm a composer. I, since that time, I never ever had to think about it again. Okay, so what happened in Prague, Prague solved the problem, yeah. whatever the problem, you know, yeah. for the many reasons that it was being yeah. caused. And then since then, you've been put in different types of social situations, different types of institutions, and you've, that problem has never come up again. Yeah. I guess it's just about making a decision what uh, you want to do in your life. I mean, of course it can happen that if we meet again in 20 years, maybe I'm selling fruits on the streets. Who knows? But... <laughs> At that moment, I don't feel that I don't want to be somebody else. I, I am a composer. I, okay. I want to work as a composer. What are maybe two different questions? Because I can say I want to be this, but I'm not in, uh, able to realize it. Yeah. But I, from, uh, from my feeling, I want to be a composer and I want to work as a composer. Okay. okay. And the other thing is you just have to be active. Just work. <laughs> So, I guess generally you just uh, or a, a person just has to ask uh, herself what 
he wants to do what she wants to do with with her life and just make a decision. I mean, you can change decisions. I, there's a story with a composer. Uh, I don't know his name. At some point, he stopped composing and started to produce Zenf. Zenf? Zenf. Not ketchup, but... Oh, mustard, zen. Yeah, <laughs> he started to produce mustard. Actually, I, I, obviously, I know that word, but it was yeah. so like I thought to myself, <laughs> "There's no way he's saying mustard right now because there's no way a composer would stop no, composing no, it, to make mustard." And he, his uh, company became very famous, and he's like doing special mustards with with special taste, with I don't know what honey and what's the name of his mustard? I don't know. I guess it's a very famous Zenfladen. If I'm not wrong, it's it. Oh, he opened. Wait, wait. He yeah, opened. He opened a, he opened a, a mustard store, yeah, or yeah. is it a or First is it a company? A store and today it's a company. I mean, a small company, but yeah, I heard it runs in the radio. I mean, maybe uh, he's uh, broke now. I don't know, but uh, I always like to think about it uh, story because it shows at some point. Uh, generally, I mean, that's the great thing about our times, about our society. Our life is very hard. We, we, we have to think about how to survive. But on the other hand, we have the freedom to do something else. Can you imagine having that conversation? It's like, yeah, I'm a composer, but what I really want to do is make mustard. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I'm not convinced that every uh, person who's working as a composer wants to be a composer. No, neither am I. Right. You know, neither am I. And like those doubts that you had at the Udeka, like those belong to everybody yeah. at all times, I think. Mm -hmm. Now you can either... It's like I've been, I'm not, not even convinced that you don't ask yourself that question still. Now maybe it's a little bit repressed and maybe you have like a better answer for it when it comes up no I've si but I simply but, yeah, I don't yeah. feel that I want to be somebody else I don't know I, I simply couldn't answer what this could be actually it's there is nothing else <laughs> from composing I, I could do you know you want to make mustard <laughs> everybody everybody secretly wants to make uh, mustard yeah no I mean it's, it may sound stupid but I'm totally fine totally happy with mm, my situation although it's a hard life I like it because I know what I'm doing every day. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the situation uh, that I ask myself if I want to do that or if I need to do that or I have to do that. Every day I know I want to do it. With all the things, with all the trouble you go through with projects, with, with deadlines, with ensembles, uh, with money, daily life, whatever, I really feel that it's a great life. Do you think you have to have that in order to be successful? No, 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 absolutely. And uh, of course, I'm not happy if I organize a, a concert. I mean, it, luckily, it uh, didn't happen that often, but uh, we had this year a nice concert, a small concert for Cembalo and show, and was only about 20 people there. I think, yeah, uh, yeah not, of course, um, I'm not I, happy. I was, with I that. was there. Yeah. yeah, I was one of the 20. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the thing is that I'm focusing on on the question why and what needs to be changed next time. So okay. I'm I'm not yeah. thinking so much about what happened, and uh, of course, I'm thinking about what m maybe was a mistake or something. Okay. But it makes no sense. I mean, the concert happened well. Let's focus on the next thing and, and make the next step and go oh. forward. Well, you seem like a very healthy, well-balanced human being. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> In that interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, you, you know what I mean. That's like the proper thought to have. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about work now. Yeah. yeah because yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that is related to this is your personal life beside composing. I mean, I don't know if it's possible to uh, divide it, but probably you also had uh, those thoughts about 
your personal life shall i have a family yeah yeah, yeah at, exactly. at some point and i think one shouldn't think too much about it it happens or not and i don't want to make this a aim in my life I'm, i don't want to work for that you know i yeah. want to work for me as a composer and not because i think that i'm so genius but yeah i w want to concentrate about uh, on those things that right now are important for me maybe in five years it's something different who knows maybe in five years i have to take care about a child who knows yeah yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. then of course i have to uh, reorganize my my life and my thinking but in this situation where we're meeting now i uh, would say everything is going well well that's very inspirational i gotta say <laughs> i feel <laughs> that's great I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen to this interview every morning when I wake up. Maybe just to, we should just sell it as a book. Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should do. You should. You should. You should write a like motivational book for composers.
Of course, sometimes you have connotations of. I don't know if you're doing it, but I have it in two, three, four pieces that I have connotations of my own pieces, of yeah. like all the pieces. But it's more like a poetic connotation. It's not like uh, that I, I want to point out some, I don't know, ideological idea or some technical idea or something. The thing is, as I said before, that I have no technique that I would say about this is how I write a piece. I don't have this. I, we, we cannot sit here and talk about how my music is made. But, but there's got to be go... something consistent that makes it you. Maybe it's not a measurable relationship between symbols on a page that mm -hmm. is consistent, but a source of inspiration or a, yeah, but you a, a way of looking what, back and yeah. reflecting upon yourself that can yeah. be identified. I'm just wondering what that is. Mm -hmm. But you understand what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm not here to, yeah. to, to or I cannot sit with you and talk about, I don't know, music spectral or something because yeah, I, I don't, I'm not part of that church or any other church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you were part of that church and you started saying that, I would try as hard as I can to get you out of that church <laughs> and talk as a human being. You know? So it's good that we're already there, but there's yeah. got to be, there's got to be something that ties it together that makes it feel like you. And I'm wondering what that is. Hmm. I guess um, my pieces are connected uh, to my personality and this means that I'm thinking a lot about where my idea of music comes from. That is one thing. Of course, I just think about what sounds nice. Yeah. 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 And many pieces start with the idea of a riff, you know, like in a rock song on, on a guitar. I mean, what, what is this that... Uh, And by the way, <laughs> um, rock music, punk music uh, inspires me at least as much as contemporary music because I wonder what is that, that, that a piece starts and, and gets people so directly that, that suddenly they start to scream and then from the very first note they know, oh, it's this piece, I know it, it's this piece. Also, they maybe heard only one chord and it may be A minor that appears in one billion songs or whatever, but this band is playing this chord and from the very beginning they know it's this piece and the, the band gets very deep into the uh, emotions of feelings and thoughts of the people. And sometimes I'm thinking about that if it's possible to, to write music like that and I'm, sometimes I just imagine how a piece could start and try to develop a piece after that. It's just what, what could be that opener? What, what could it be that the piece starts in a people think, what's that? What is going on? Uh, you understand? Yeah, I understand, yeah. <laughs> and then I start to think. But of course, in other pieces, I have a concrete idea about the structure or, you know, that, that the clarinet shall start in a very high register, register and then went down to very low. And, you know, there are different ideas. Sometimes it's, it's a phrase from a poem that I read and suddenly you know the piece. You, you had that such situation probably. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. You read something, you see something, and immediately you know all the piece. Although we haven't written a note or whatever, you just know, oh, that's a piece, yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. Thank you for doing this. Thanks. <laughs>